When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're right around the corner from spring game weekend in Blacksburg. We'll get you all set for everything that you need to know for the weekend and heading into the spring game on Saturday afternoon. And it's an all-football show today right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. We hope you enjoy. That's all coming up on episode 293 of the TSL Podcast, and it starts right now. We record on Wednesday, April 12th, 2023 from our high-tech studio at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center right here in Blacksburg, Virginia. We welcome you in, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're over there, and also turn on that notification bell so you don't miss any future TSL content. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. All right, let's get our introductions in order today. Again, an all-football show, so we got our all-football crew in attendance. To my right, lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman. Across the way, senior staff writer Andy Bitter. In the fourth chair today, managing editor David Cunningham. And behind the scenes producing this afternoon, founder and general manager Will Stewart. I'm your host, Giovanni Heater, and again, we thank you for joining in. Let's jump right into the uh, football conversation here. First and foremost, admission is free to the spring game this year. Virginia Tech is encouraging fans to support via NIL donations instead. Kind of your thoughts on this ankle. It was news to me that it was always free going into last year. Now they bring it back to free, but I think it is good to uh, spark up that NIL and and I think a lot of people kind of buy into that because they know the importance of it. I think the you know the fact that they charged for the spring game last year was just because it was coming after having the last couple of years with with less revenue because of COVID. Uh, but in the end, it's such a limited amount of amount of money that you make from the spring game that they can make a bigger impact by asking people to make that donation to NIL instead. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Last year, <laughs> made a big stink about the $5 admission. Michael Nislik, uh, former Roanoke <laughs> Times employee, uh, he was the, the leading the charge there. Uh, yeah, I didn't really think it was a big deal, 5 bucks to get in, but this is probably a better way to do it. If NIL is sort of the future of, of where revenues need to go uh, in these programs, if you're going to try to get some of these players, it would make sense to, to try to get people to pump money into that system. So it, it makes sense. Uh, I'm curious how many people actually do it. Uh, you know, if, if I'm just going to a game, I'm like, hey, free admission. I'm not going to worry about paying anything. But I'm sure there are other Virginia Tech fans out there that would think otherwise. If a uh, hundred grand can find a starting offensive lineman somewhere, uh, you know, 
it would be money well spent, I would say, from an NIL perspective. There you go. Well, let's sort of set the table here a little bit. I want to ask you guys, You've been, well, Andy's been more on the covering side. Chris, you've, of course, covered these things, but you've also been, uh, as a fan, as a student, where are kind of the best hangout spots, where to park? That's a big question people have coming into the mm-hmm. spring game. So, you know, what is your kind of game plan if you're a fan going into Saturday? Well, the beauty of it is you can park anywhere. There's no assigned lots. So if, if you're one of those people where you never have a spot close to the stadium during games, this is your chance. <laughs> if you roll in there early enough and get a good spot, you can set up and tailgate wherever you want. You just got to be careful and, like, don't leave it too late because then you're going to be stuck parking downtown or something like that. Because you remember, the, like, they don't clear the lots for, for, for the spring game as like as much as they do for uh, for regular football games and things like that so you're competing for other events also on campus for, for parking so it's kind of uh it's kind of uncoordinated but uh i generally always park in lot five myself because it's the quickest lot to my house after the game um but yeah it's it's i i like i, I like the spring game because it is easier it's easier to go tailgate with your friends and things like that because everybody can actually park together like I have to walk almost a mile, probably over a mile, to get to my friend's tailgate during the season. During, uh, but that's not the case during the spring game. You just roll in there and park right next to him. As a writer who never partakes in the pregame <laughs> festivities like that, I'm curious, what is the tailgating scene like oh, at a spring game? It's is it pretty good? It's, it's better. For, well, from, from a coordination standpoint, it's better because while you have so many tailgating groups during the season. And they'd like to tailgate together, but they can't because they have di- they're in different parking lots. And you're trying to walk around, and you're tr- you want to go to this person's tailgate, you want to go to this person's tailgate. And but the spring game, it's like, guys, why don't y'all just park next to each other now for the spring game? Because you can, and now we can all park in this one spot as opposed to everybody parking on the four corners of campus, and hopefully eventually making it to the tailgate that you want to make it to. So it's just, it's. You know, it's not a real game at the end of the day, but like the actual tailgating experience is less stressful and uh, in some ways better in terms of coordination. From a student's perspective, uh, for the second year in a row, out of respect um, for April 16th, what they're actually going to do, no Center Street again this year. It falls on the day before this year. Um, but last year there was no Center Street, and again, that's out of respect. And, you know, I think it's going to be a little more low-key. People are still going to, from a student's perspective, enjoy the spring game and the festivities before, uh, but Center Street won't be a part of it. So if you're a student listening, don't plan on going over to Center Street. There, will be, uh, there won't be much going on over there. Um, Another jam-packed weekend. They seem to really pack the weekend full of other things to do besides the spring game because so many people, alumni, come in uh, to enjoy a full weekend. A lot of the time you have to stay the night, so why not do other things? Um, Of course, the run for remembrance is going to be on Saturday morning, Uh, but baseball plays Georgia Tech all weekend long at English Field, 7 p.m. first pitch on Friday, 7 p.m. on Saturday, so you can leave right from the spring game, go head over to uh, English Field uh, and watch the baseball team play and then 1 p.m. on Sunday should be a great series with the Yellow Jackets and then uh, softball is actually on the road this year but women's lacrosse plays the 19th ranked team in the country they pay Clemson at Thompson Field at noon on Saturday 
So you can catch that before the 3 p.m. spring game. Uh, come on out, or you can tune in on the ACC Network Extra. If you're out tailgating, throw down a lot of people on their RVs and whatnot, have TVs and stuff. So uh, definitely be sure to support the other sports. That lacrosse game is going to be great. Tech's won three in a row. They're playing a top 25 team, looking to win what would be their second top 25 game of the season uh, against the top 25 team. So big opportunity there. Uh, Thompson should be rocking. Um, so definitely head out uh, to all those events. And let's dive into the format of this game a little bit. Chris and Andy, I know you guys both have a lot to say about um, your thoughts on how they format this thing. Price said they're going to split it up and make it as even as possible, right? But he didn't specify exactly how they're going to split it up. Is it going to be like the starting defensive line on one team and then the starting offensive line on the other team? Or is it just going to be half the def starting defensive line on one team and half on the other team and three offensive line starters on one team and two on another team? Uh, we don't know how it's going to it's going to be split up, um, which is kind of like one of the reasons it's kind of hard to take seriously as far as the results of the game. Like, you don't know which quarterback is going to be playing behind which offensive line. And you, and you don't know – I mean, if they split the offensive line up, then both quarterbacks are going to be playing behind at least two backup offensive linemen. So it's – the format of the game is, is to try to get it over as quickly as possible without having anybody get hurt. They're, they're, they're going to throw the ball a lot, as you've always said, uh, to avoid – injuries uh which you know you're more likely to get hurt in the running game they're gonna do a running clock in the second half and they're they're gonna stop the game early if it runs over that you know the time limit that for the acc network that's extra so coaches are very very paranoid these days about giving away information on their on their teams and the fact that spring games are now televised or are available for viewing on the internet in this case it's actually like has led to a downgrade to a certain extent in the quality of spring games because coaches they don't they don't want to put as much out there. Spring games are it's never interesting <laughs> most <laughs> really of the not. time. I mean, it, there's not a good way to split up the teams as you've mentioned. I've seen sometimes where they're like, "We'll have the first team offensive tackles and the second team guards." It's like, well, what does that tell you? These guys never play together, and all of a sudden they're going to be thrown together on the same thing. Uh, there's always one team that's clearly better than the other team. You know, I know uh, last year the quarterback split, uh, you know, Jason Brown got the the short stick of the <laughs> offensive unit that he was playing with last year. Uh, typically, if anybody even has a hangnail, they're going to keep them out of this game, especially if they're like an important player. The coaches will be like, how about you just sit this one out and, and not play in this? So. Uh, as much as all of us want this to be real football, it's just not going to be real football. And, and as you mentioned, the coaches don't want to really do this. It's a necessity. They have to do it. They realize the fans enjoy it. They realize it's a recruiting event uh, to get players out there and see the stadium atmosphere. But if they had their druthers, it would just be, hey, let's just have a 15th practice out of the spotlight of everybody else. That way we can do situational stuff. And I've seen coaches try to do situational stuff in spring games. It's like, it's just boring. Nobody's, nobody's following what you're doing here. And you're jumping around from, oh, it's third and six to now it's fourth and 15. And it's like, just play a game or something close to a game. And it's tough to simulate because, you, you know, unless you're going all out in football all the time, uh, it's tough to get that game experience. And, and they don't want them going 
necessarily all out all the time because they don't want injuries to happen. And do you remember? Do you remember UVA's football festival? Like they stopped calling it a spring <laughs> game, right. and they just call, started calling it a festival or a f- festivus or something. And like various that. drills and stuff. Yeah, like that. it wasn't like, even like a real. It has game. to it be was, some semblance. <laughs> it has to be some semblance of a game for people right. to enjoy it. Correct. Otherwise, you're just watching, you know, various drills and stuff like that. And that's not as, as much fun. And as Chris has alluded to before, like you don't want them to go full speed, but it's almost, you know, if you're only going half speed, you're almost more apt for injuries too. Well, Cause guys start to hold I up. Mean, and- it's going to be a full speed game and everything like that. They're just going to, it's, they're going to play as many guys as they can limit the number of snaps of their key players, keep their quarterbacks in a yellow Jersey and keep that clock running in the second half. In a way the tackling looks a lot more like the pro bowl, <laughs> right? They don't really, once they kind of well, break into the secondary, if I'm, if I'm Chris Marv, it doesn't. I would be very angry if my defense went out there and, and tackled like they did in the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is is a is a reward. It's a trip, basically. Uh, this is you're still fighting for your spot if you're a player. So if you're a defensive player and you're if you're Jaden Keller, if you're uh, Jaden McDonald or whatever other Jadens we have on this team, there's my a whole Jadens. bunch of them. Uh, you're fighting it out for that Mike linebacker spot. I mean. You don't want to hold up in this game. You want to take advantage of the opportunity that, that, that's in there. But as a coach, you you want to limit those those op, the the chances for injuries and and split the reps up as much as you can because like you you can tell more about these guys I think from regular practices than you can this actual spring game. One last note on the format. So it's going to be in the second half, a complete running clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because they have to squeeze it into a two-hour window due to the ACC Network Extra regulations, they might even cut the game short if it comes to that point. If your spring game is going over two hours, you are doing it wrong. Yeah, you are. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Run the clock from the start. You don't need to have this long, drawn-out uh, spring game. Nobody... It's like baseball. Keep the clock moving here. Yeah, let's have a, a pitch clock. Let's let's cut down the play clock to even shorter, whatever it is. Just keep it moving because you don't need to go that long. How many quarterbacks do you think we see? We have seven rostered, six on scholarship. Do we see all of we'll, them? We'll see all seven of them. Um, I, I don't know if this official rule is still in place, but when Beamer was here, they the coaching staff had a rule where every single player on the team had to play in the spring game if they were healthy. And every quarterback got in the game last spring. So I would think they you'll see all of them this year, even if like the bottom guys only get in there for like one drive at the end of the game. I expect you'll see, and even if they just hand it off every time, they will be in the game. And you know that that's another thing. It's going to be a very very short game, and you got seven quarterbacks. So if 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 you expect to see like an hour and a half of Grant Wells versus Kyron Drones fighting it out, you're going to see maybe the first half. Of well, a shortened game. For me, there's almost more value in those young guys getting the no snaps doubt. anyway. I'd mm-hmm. rather see Pop Watson go out there and play sure. than Grant Wells. Like yeah. I've seen Grant Wells. The fans have seen Grant Wells. They're excited about somebody like Pop Watson, right. who's never been, you know, how many times has he gone in the stadium even to mm-hmm. practice at this point? So, uh, yeah, there'll probably be a second-half split where those you know, second-team quarterbacks are, are lower on the, the depth chart quarterbacks get in the game. But... Sometimes that's the more interesting part. I know they're going up against third and fourth string defenses and stuff like that, so it's not this great evaluation tool. But just in terms of the experience part of it, I, I think that can help those guys. So what can we truly even learn from a media standpoint, from people that follow the team, from watching the spring game? I think you can learn some things about physical abilities of certain players. 
like last year, I, th- I think we learned that Caleb Smith was probably a little more athletic than we thought he was. Um, and that played out during the course of the season. We saw Breon Murray really struggle in coverage, and that also <laughs> played out <laughs> during the during the season. Um, you, you can tell uh, some things about certain players uh, from the spring game. On the other hand, that there are times when a guy lights it up in the spring game. Like I remember one time there was a walk-on defensive end named Jeremy Haynes who had three sacks in the spring game, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, is Jeremy Haynes going to start this year?" And no, he's he's not. It's, it's just, he was against the third-string offense offensive line. And you know, I remember Michael Vick going something like three of twelve in the spring game, and I'm like, I don't know if he's quite ready yet. You know, so well, it's just. You got to be careful with what you take out of it. They designed these things certain ways. I remember when I was at Auburn, and it was in 2010, and uh, the quarterback who had the best spring game was Neil Caudill, went out there, threw for a bunch of yards. Barrett Trotter, another quarterback, lit it up, a bunch of yards. Worst statistical line by far of the three, Cam Newton, who went on to have a pretty good season. And uh, I think they sort of designed the spring game so that he didn't have that great of a day and didn't put up these huge numbers and the hype would have gotten out of control. At the same time, there are some guys that you see go out there that you can just see sort of stardom bursting. I go back to Caleb Farley in 2017, which was really the only memorable spring game showing that I can remember since I've been covering Virginia Tech. And, you know, he switches from defense to offense midway through the spring. Um kind of going out there on natural ability at that point. I think they were just like telling him where to line up and what routes to run when he was out there, but he was so athletic and so talented that, you know, he was turning Brandon Faison around in the defensive backfield. And we're talking about like an established cornerback who was really good. I think he drew two or three pass interference calls on him, caught a, caught a deep ball on him. Uh, another time it was just, you go, man, this guy's going to get on the field in some way. And I always kind of wish that he would have got on the field offensively because I think he could have been a, a, an interesting player in that regard. But there are some guys like that where it's just like, this is coming at a certain point. I remember when I covered UVA, Chris Long had like three sacks. <laughs> you know, he got close enough to breathe on the quarterback right. and they whistle it dead at a certain point. That was sort of his coming out party where it's like, okay, this guy's going to be a factor in the future. And sure enough, he was. So sometimes that's fool's gold and you, and you, you can't really, uh, you know, believe it. Uh, you know, I will shout out Jeremy Haynes, big fan of uh, the bitter blog back in the day at the mm-hmm. Roanoke time. So I have a special place in my heart for him there, but uh, yeah, there are other times you're like, this guy's got it. And you can sort of see the seedlings of that uh, at the spring game for the first time. So what would it take for something kind of piggybacking off that, what would it take for you to see something on Saturday that would truly impress you? Well, that- like, be cool if one of those running backs, specifically one of the top two running backs, went out there and like broke some tackles, had some really good vision, and broke off two or three big runs or good runs. So you can look forward and say, okay, we know Virginia Tech has to get better in the running game. I mean, they're going to be they're going to run the ball more this year than they're going to pass it no question and for the passing game i think the way the the way they're trying to set up the passing game in this packaged play rpo type thing is going to be a reliant on an effective running game so if the running backs can go out there and impress me on saturday that will make me feel better about the offense in general this season I'm most curious to see how these receivers fare against these defensive backs. Cause I, I think you look at the roster and you see Dorian strong, Monster Delane, Derek Canteen, 
you've got three pretty good cornerbacks there. And you have this fresh group of wide receivers, uh, you know, the three transfers coming in, uh, second-year guys in the program now like Gosnell and Tucker Holloway and, you know, Christian Moss has been here a couple years now. Can these guys take that next step? And if they're out there and they make plays against that caliber of cornerback, I think that's a good sign for this passing game. So those are matchups that I'll be real interested to see because that's sort of been the knock on these receivers the last couple of years here is they can't get separation. If you can get separation on the guys that they're going up against, I think that's a pretty good sign. Good opportunity to take a short stint and remind you that this show is brought to you uh, by First Bank and Trust Company. But the Tech Sideline podcast is also presented by Virginia Green. Virginia Tech is partnering with Virginia Green to help create healthy lawns all across Virginia. Register for a chance to win free lawn care with Virginia Green for the 2023 season. Again, thank you so much to both First Bank and Trust Company. Company and Virginia Green. Also a good time. Check in with David in the fourth chair. See if you have anything, uh, any input here, D. Connor. Yeah, well, one of the things I, I, I was nodding when Andy made his last point about the wide receivers. I think that's probably, that's kind of the one position I think we haven't gotten as much um, information about this spring because Fontel Mines kind of likes to mix and match. And um, I think those three transfers are still trying to work their way in. I'm curious to see what, how, how the wide receivers shake out. And I think that'll be the first time we really get like a depth chart-ish look at the receivers, kind of figure out where everybody stands. Um, but like Andy said, I think uh, going up against that caliber of cornerbacks, um, those are those are good cornerbacks. Uh, who's who's going to win those battles? I would expect it to be the corners. But, um, but if those wide receivers like Ollie Jennings um, – you know, Steve, we've, we've heard about Steven Gosnell and Tucker Holloway improving. If they can make some plays, that'll be really interesting. Um, I'm also curious, and I think I'm curious to see where some of these guys are with injuries. We've seen Daquan Wright, um, Dorian Strong. They haven't necessarily been full goes in practice every single week. Um, kind of curious to, to see where that goes. And then I'm looking for the young guys, right? Um we know Mose Phillips and Jalen Jones have been getting a lot of reps at, at safety. I think that's just one example of young guys um, kind of getting reps at a position where they could potentially be in the two deep. I'm curious to see whether it's at offensive line or at defensive line. You know, if Keyshawn Burgos is repping with the, the two defensive ends. Um, kind of curious to see how, how all those young guys shake out because I think that kind of player development is is something that this program has been lacking over the past couple of years. Uh, it's funny you should bring up uh, Ali Jennings right after you talked about uh, the wide receivers versus the defensive backs. Ali Jennings is the one wide receiver on this team we know can beat a Virginia Tech defensive back in the in the air for a football, right? True. The, the end of the ODU game last year. Right. And we saw it in practice as well. He had a couple of big plays, right, early on? Uh, I don't remember. And we'll see if he's – Full go. Yes, because remember, he's, he's been, coming off surgery. Yeah, he's, he hasn't been quite 100%. I think yeah. they're still kind of working into the mix. Uh, so again, when it comes to these guys and, like, if they're a little nicked up, I'd be surprised if Daquan Wright played. Yeah, that's, Just that, based on, on Tuesday, he was still sort of limited in the back of the line, not necessarily full go or at least didn't look like that. He, he had a pull, I assume a hamstring pull or something like that earlier uh, in the spring. So, you know, if you can put – those guys that you know are going to be impact guys in the fall and bubble wrap for the spring game, you probably do so. If Virginia Tech is is you know playing Wake Forest this weekend, then you're going to play Daquan Wright. But Virginia Tech isn't 
It's the spring game. So, right. yeah, uh, bubble wrap, like you said. And I think one of the things that does is it gives other guys, young guys, opportunities. You know, if uh, – uh, those those tight ends behind Nick Gallo and, and Daquan Wright. You know, if, if Daquan Wright cannot go or they're going to play it safe and, and put him in bubble wrap, like you said, Chris, that gives opportunities for the guys behind them, right? And, and so we might get to see a little bit more of how maybe the third string guy does against the ones on the other side, right? Or um, if it's Dorian Strong, right, who's been a little nicked up. If Dorian Strong doesn't go, okay, well, we might get a, a glimpse of of those third, fourth, fifth fifth guys at cornerback, how they match up against Tech's best wide receivers, right? So I'm curious to see how, uh, obviously, there are going to be guys who are not going to play due to injury, but I, I'm, I'm, I think getting the young guys there, it's kind of like what you said, Andy, like I'd be more interested in seeing Pop Watson throw, and and seeing some of these young guys get reps like a like a Jeremiah Coney, right, a running back who's been raved about all spring. I'm more interested in seeing, well, maybe not with with a guy like Bashal Tootin coming in, but but a, a lot of other positions, right? You know who some of the incumbents are going to be. I'm curious to see some of the the new faces and how they kind of mesh and what they can provide. How about the recruiting aspect of the spring game? Probably the most important piece of this entire weekend. I think when you look at all the full, all the schools in this region, you have to go all the way up to Happy Valley before you find another football crowd that does it as good or better than Virginia Tech for the spring game. And you have probably have to go all the way south to you know Georgia or Clemson or, or somewhere like that before you can find a crowd. So... For the most part, like with the schools, Virginia Tech recruits against head-to-head. If you can get guys to visit for the spring game, it really puts it in their head that Virginia Tech is a bigger football school than UVA and North Carolina and Duke and Wake Forest and Maryland and whoever else you, you know you, Virginia the Hokies recruit against in this region. So that's if you can get a guy to visit for spring game weekend. Um, I, I, so I definitely think it's, it's one of those things like – you have your your regular campus visits if you're a recruit where you get to meet the coaches and tour the campus and learn about the lifestyle and everything like that. But it's different when you see the fan base in action and you understand how important football is to the school and, and the alumni base. We say that, but one of the most the best uh, recruiting weekends they had was the 2012 spring game. They got canceled by rain or weather. They didn't mm-hmm. even play it, and they got like six commitments that day. <laughs> It was Bucky Hodges and Andrew Matupawaka. Vinny Mahota kicked off the, the 2014 class by committing that early. They had all these guys, and, and the one that gets me uh, sort of an afterthought in the whole thing. He was the first one that committed but didn't get a lot of publicity at the time. Charles Clark. Charles uh, Clark. Out of Suffolk, <laughs> Kings Fork High. And then you look years later, Chuck Clark is the guy who's played for how many ever years in the NFL, uh, still going strong. He's a pretty good safety. I think he's with the Jets now, right? Didn't they trade him? Yeah. I think he's coming up Ravens on think. This will be his seventh season in the NFL, I believe. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny that you, you think, oh, this guy's going to be the star, this guy's <laughs> going to be the star, and it turns out to be the one that nobody really thought of at the right. time. But, yeah. you know, that was a game that wasn't even played, <laughs> and I'm sure the coaches are like, well, we'll just put all of our efforts into recruiting this weekend, and they were very persuasive that weekend, I guess. What year was that? Do you guys remember? That was 2012. 2012. So that was your only second year here, right, Andy? 
Uh, yes, that was my first spring game. Gotcha. For Virginia Tech. Very cool. The, and, your first spring game did not actually happen. Yeah, I yeah. think I have the timing of that right. Uh, I, that sounds about right. That's, that sounds right. So any other memorable spring games, moments that you can maybe share with some of our listeners that obviously you mentioned some already uh, that kind of stick out to you? Or is it one of those events that it's like, ah, you remember it was fun, but like football wasn't really great and yeah. you just hung out before and enjoyed the time? I remember more spring game tailgates than I do spring games. If <laughs> I, if I'll put it to you that way. Uh, I remember my first spring game was 1999 and, and Michael Vick and Ronyel Whitaker were pretty much best friends and teammates and roommates and at one point uh, Vic takes off on a scramble and Ronyell, as Ronyell liked to do a lot hit him late out of bounds hit the franchise late out of bounds in a spring game it's like what are you doing man and then Vic got back up and hit him and they both got 15 yard personal flag penalties if I recall correctly you know best friends in a spring game i remember brian randall in 2002 he played quarterback for both teams because he was the only quarterback available healthy because grand all had torn his acl that week in practice and they didn't even put the yellow jersey on brian randall like the, that these days like you don't half the coaches don't even want to have a spring game back then it was like oh only scholarship quarterback on the team that's fine. You can play for both teams and, and just have both teams beat up on you and never get a break and anything wow. like that. So, I, like, thinking back, like, like how crazy was that? Like, if, if Randall had gotten hurt in that game. Well, I think that's why most spring games are not memorable. Yes. Because if anybody comes within 10 feet of the quarterback these days, like, Ronnie Whitaker would have been suspended for, like, a year <laughs> for hitting the star quarterback, let alone hitting the star quarterback <laughs> out of bounds. In practice. Uh, and, you know, if Randall was the only healthy uh, quarterback on the roster, they'd just cancel the game these days. They'd be like, we don't have enough healthy players. We're right. just going to have a practice. Right. And the fans would be like, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's happened before. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pitt, when when Paul Chris was there, looked for every excuse not to play a spring game. Uh, so uh, I think just sort of the mentality around these things have changed. And, you know, it's it's years of a star player getting hurt. I remember Wisconsin one year, Lee Evans got hurt on like the last play of the spring game. And after that, it's like, why would we even put him out there for these things? So I, I think coaches are so careful about that. They are very paranoid about information getting out, even though I feel like there's a lot more information in the game tape that everybody has <laughs> than what they would have uh, in a spring, spring ball telecast. And that's just the way it's gone. And because of that, it's been watered down competition and the games just aren't that interesting anymore. But it's fun to get out there. Nice weather always helps too. You, Andy, you mentioned the 2017 spring game when Caleb finally had his big day. Hennon Hooker also had a really good day. Yeah, late. He, he, had, he, 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 he was, had nice drives. He was drives. 10 of 11 for 150, 115 yards and a touchdown. And he and then, I mean, he had a, if I remember correctly, he, like in 2018, he had a pretty good spring game too. Like he, he'd always shown flashes. Um, so, like, I think, you know, you can get, to, to like the points you guys were making earlier, you can kind of get a feel for like some of these guys who, um, some of these guys who flash like okay they they might be be good, but like you said, Chris, you always gotta temper your expectations, figure out if it's it's reality or not, because obviously like. You know, Hendon Hooker went on to have a pretty good career. Did he? I, what happened to him after he uh, left Virginia Tech? The, uh, I, I but lost like that, track of him. But that defensive years. end you mentioned who had three sacks. <laughs> Did not, right? No, but but right. Caleb Farley went The on immortal Jeremy Haynes. Don't forget his don't, name yes, here. Come on now. Well, we got to put respect on his name. He did pancake Ezekiel Elliott. 
in he the did. horseshoe that yeah. night because that was his Twitter profile. Uh, his pen tweet, I think, is the video of him pancaking Ezekiel right. Elliott. Well, I remember during the pandemic, I busted out the old NCAA football game, and I was playing as Virginia Tech, and I think Haynes was in the game, and he put like this spin move on it. So I like <laughs> I recorded the replay of it, and I, I tweeted it at Haynes. I'm like, there it is, the spin move. That that's how you get him. He's like, he's like just that like now. that that spring game that one year. <laughs> I, uh, tiny little tangent. There was, there's a thing now where you can go through this whole process. You have to, it's like super, you have to like order the USB drive on eBay, put it in and like jailbreak your PlayStation. But people, a company took over, turned that game you're talking about into college football. Now all the new stadiums, uniforms, they added new teams like JMU. It's very cool. So uh, I do that. I'd please, I'd give me that information. I will. I'll it's called that. college football revamp. I still have my Sega Genesis that I bought in 1994. Uh, I paid $100 for it. And it okay. still works. Yeah. Right? And so there's this there's this used video game store over in Radford. And a couple of years ago, I went over there and bought college football USA 96. Wow. Which was like the first college football game I ever played. It was the first college football game that ever had like every team on it because the first ea sports game was a bill walsh college football it had like 32 teams and i remember being mad because it didn't have virginia tech on it and jeff holland tells this story jeff holland and a bunch of other virginia tech football players back then they all wrote a letter to ea sports and signed it and said dear ea sports we're virginia tech football we've been to three ball games in a row we've won this many games in the last few years we've beaten this team this team this team this team that's all on your game we should be in the next game. So the next version of the game, EA Sports put everybody, every team on there. Just to tell you how exciting the spring game is, the discussion has been more lively about the college football <laughs> the last three games. minutes than the spring game before. <laughs> the new one even has, it has like every uniform Tech has ever worn, like in the last probably five, six years. Like they have the Hokie Stone uniforms. They got like 20 different helmets. The the, the company that took over and did this is the, uh, pretty unreal. They have every uniform Virginia Tech's ever worn. What did that take up? like a terabyte of information yeah, that's a lot, a lot of, stuff, of uniforms yeah. it was pretty cool it's pretty cool uh one, one of the other things i was doing research on some of the tech's old spring games in 2018 there were 20 players that did not participate in tech spring game which kind of gives you some insight as to like not everybody's going to participate and it's probably smarter for a lot of these coaching staffs to keep their players healthy and in bubble wrap like you guys have said previously um so that's another thing, like in terms of when you watch the spring game, remember that a lot of it's not going to be a lot of the number one personnel per se, right? If one guy gets a, you know, gets a little injury, a nick in, in practice this week, he's probably not going to play in the spring game if there's any chance of him re-injuring himself, right? Um, was it Malachi Thomas that missed last year's spring game? Um, yeah, because he because had, got he, he had been injured all yep. spring. So, so there are there going to be a lot. Again, I'm curious to see the guys who do play um, because I think they're probably going to end up being a handful of the the starters that just don't end up playing because there's no point in in trying to you know make the injury even more severe. 
if there's one thing I remember about that 2018 team, it did not need more practice. <laughs> like <laughs> right. Maybe that wasn't the team that needed 20 yeah. players sitting out. Yeah, they probably could have used that work going into the fall. They probably could have, and, that, and that's a big number because if you remember, rosters are a little bit smaller in the spring because not everybody has has reported yet. More players will, will enroll I mean, this I, summer. I have the list if you guys want, right. if you want so, the list. So like 20, 20 players missing from a spring roster – that's like thirty players missing from like. So uh, well, that's why I, th- I think sometimes they like we don't know exactly what we're doing format wise because we don't know if we have enough guys exactly. to, to split into two teams or however true. they do it. Among well, those who did not participate in 2018, Adonis Alexander, C.J. Carroll, Divine Diablo, Caleb Farley, Reggie Floyd, Damon Hazelton, Trayvon Hill, Eric Kuma, Vinny Mahota, uh, Mook Reynolds, and Trey Turner. So basically half the starters. <laughs> So, or a quarter of the starters. So a, a handful of, of the starters did not participate, which kind of gives you some insight as to, like, you know, if if there are some guys, when you look on the field and you don't see them, they're probably injured. So, like, let's play a little uh, little game here. Let's say in the scrimmage this past weekend, Byshaw Tootin ran for 200 yards. Let's just pretend that he did. And if you're Brent Pry, you're like, nobody knows who he is. He's just some transfer from FCS. Why would I throw him out there in a spring game? Number one, he might get hurt. Number two, like... You're giving away what his capability yeah, is. Running right. backs especially. Right. Because all it takes is one lineman falling the wrong way. Exactly. And, you, I mean, you, you'd feel like an idiot as a coach if you lose what you would expect to be a key piece to a fluke injury like that. And I think you can tr- can control a little bit more with the guys on the outside. Uh, I mean, you're still going to get fluke stuff out there. But... I'd worry about those linemen because sometimes the most benign plays can lead to somebody getting rolled up on and all of a sudden they got a high ankle sprain that lingers and uh, that's just what you want to avoid. I would, you know, to sum all this conversation up, I would say really focus on having a nice tailgate and don't think too much about the game. So last final thought here, prediction time. What do you think the fans are going to be talking about after the spring game? Positive, Pro- negative, whatever. What are fans going to be talking about? They're going to find something to talk about with the quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be positive, negative, or neutral. Um, but besides that, besides that, they're either going to be talking about they're going to be talking about something with the pass rush. And Frank Beamer was an old school coach, and and old school coaches, you know, that they say things that sometimes they're. Some of those things are still applicable and some aren't. But one things one of the things he used to say every year that still applies is you get into a scrimmage or a spring game and if the offense does well, you're happy, but then you're worried about the defense and, and the vice versa. Uh, like I remember one time going to a spring scrimmage and, and the defense got 13 sacks in the whole scrimmage, the entire scrimmage. It was insane. So, And that was an offensive line that featured Dwayne Brown. right? So they're going to be saying on Sunday – Either, oh my gosh, where is Virginia Tech going to get pressure from this year? Like they 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 didn't put any pressure on the quarterback at all, or 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 maybe like if the backup offensive line has a really bad day and they have, and at some point if they're matched up against starting defensive ends, maybe you're saying the opposite. So I think I think they're going to be talking about the quarterbacks and then they're going to be talking about the pass rush. It's always the quarterbacks. I mean, especially this year when there's it feels like there is a legitimate question about who the quarterback will be uh, come fall. And, you know, I've, I've maintained that I think it's sort of 50-50 right now who started. I have no idea. And you know, I'm actually writing a mailbag question about this tomorrow for tomorrow that, you know, every year since I've been here, you've sort of had an idea, even if it was a, you know, ostensibly a competition that was going on. 
you know who is going to come out on top or you had a pretty good idea. And typically that guy did win it. I mean, it's, except for that you know, weird COVID year where they didn't even have an off season. And then yeah. all of a sudden Burmeister's starting and Hendon's coming in. Uh, but you know, people will look at how Wells does and how Drones does, and they will dissect every single uh, facet of that competition. And also they like to talk about spring game attendance, which I hate. I guarantee you somebody's going to ask me on Twitter what I think the spring game attendance is. I'm going to reluctantly give an estimate and that will offend a bunch of people out there who <laughs> think, then, I, who then, think then, I have low buzz. It's, it's easily 60,000. I'm like, one number. half of the stands is not even full. It's not 60,000. I guarantee you that. Uh, so I hate coming up with spring game uh, estimates for attendances because whatever I say, it's wrong and somebody's going to take offense at it. Well, it sounds like everyone's going to drudge through the weekend. Uh, anything else from you, David? <laughs> uh, well, I, oh, I, I will mention one non-football thing. Um, J.D. Byers, Virginia Tech f- officially announced him as new basketball uh, right. assist- assistant coach. That news came out uh, yesterday, which is Tuesday. Um, Chris, any uh, immediate thoughts on Byers? As I wrote, he, he's he's an offensive-minded guy, um, but he was with Mike Rowe. I mean, his 13 exper- years of experience at the D1 level, was at Radford for a few years, was on Mike Rhodes' staff at Rice for a while, then at VCU. He's been around some really good players, some really good defenses, and he's a good recruiter. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think if I was building a staff at Virginia Tech from scratch, he would be a strong, strong candidate to be on my staff. Uh, I don't think he necessarily – I think it's very important to for Virginia Tech's staff to – like certain members, like all coaches have strengths and weaknesses. It's just about putting the right strengths together. And I don't know if his strengths as a coach overlap like Mike Young's weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like Chester Frazier's. Correct. Absolutely. And uh, so, yes, he's been a good recruiter for VCU, but it's a lot different recruiting to Virginia Tech because when you're at VCU, their, their recruiting competition, VCU has more resources, better facilities, uh, their academic requirements for their athletes. Like, I know they were taking non-qualifiers for a while. It's a lot easier to recruit to VCU against their level of competition than it is to recruit for, for Virginia Tech against Tech's level of competition. Um, uh, so, yeah, like, like I said, I think if it's you're building a, a staff from scratch, he's absolutely on my list. Uh but, like, for this particular spot, considering what Tech already has on the staff, like, he's always been an offensive coach. Like, Mike Young, this is Mike Young's offense, and Kevin Giltner, who I assume will be the associate head coach now, or at least the number one assistant, he came from Mike Young's system at Wofford. He's also an offensive coach, even though he was, you know, coaching defense and during games last year. But, like, Tech has offense covered. Tech has plenty of offense. They, um, but let's say like they need a more defensive focus in, in their program, in my opinion. So time will tell. And I know we came from a, a coach where they run a havoc system, but like Virginia Tech's not going to be running the havoc. Like VCU out talents everybody and their, at their level of basketball, and that's not something Tech is going to do. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I thought, like I said, he's a good basketball coach. Um, my concern is like he's not the fit that Virginia Tech needs for that spot on the staff at this moment in time. Yeah, and and I you you wrote something when uh was it your, I think it was your Friday Q&A last week um about how from what you had heard 
Virginia Tech kind of pursued Chester Frazier again, mm-hmm. who was an associate head coach here a couple of years ago. Great defensive mind. Um, he's currently at his alma mater of Illinois. It didn't pan out. And I, I agree with you. I think Byers could be a good fit. I, I think he's a great coach, assistant coach. Um, but I don't know if he necessarily fills the weaknesses Virginia Tech has, right? This is a very strong offensive team. Um, Virginia, you know, that that's what Mike Young brings to the table, and that's what you know Kevin Giltner is going to bring to the table. Tech's been better on the recruiting trail, I think. Um, I think Giltner and Webster and Mike Jones did a good job, um, and I think he will probably continue to do a good job. But I think the, the, the hole is on the defensive end. And, um, he, again, he's been around a lot of good defenses, but like you said, a lot of that is more Havoc style. So I'm curious to see how it pans out. I think he's going to be a good fit. His wife, Marcy, is the head volleyball coach of Virginia Tech, so um, they, they get to put all their family in one place. Um, but, yeah, I'm very curious to see how it pans out. And, um, you know, I, I don't think this is a spot he's going to, like Mike Jones, get up and leave. Right. Um, which is good for Virginia Tech, but it's also like um, I, I don't know if you couldn't have found a better fit in terms of scheme and what you're trying to do in terms of elevating your play on the court, if that makes sense. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for episode 293 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by First Bank and Trust Company and Virginia Green. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube, and we'll see you next time on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thank you.